Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. I had this message on my heart, and I felt like God changed my direction. Even last week, I was wanting to preach it last week. About midway through the week, God said, preach on the Good Samaritan. I said, the Good Samaritan? Where did that come from? But how many know if you were here last week, it turned out all right? <laughs> I was like, Good Samaritan, where, where did that story come from? I haven't thought about that in a long time, but apparently it was the will of the Lord to preach last week, if you were here. If you weren't here, listen to the podcast. You'll get right with God afterwards. Um, I feel like I was getting right with God as I was preaching it. So if you're taking notes today, the time of my message, once again, is don't miss your opportunity. Now, we have people in this church that pray, at least a few of you, and um, you're going to have to relax a little bit and joke around with me today. But there's some intercessors that pray on Wednesday morning, and uh, I had heard, and they didn't know this, but Miss Lois led it on Wednesday, and she was praying about this exact thing I talked about in January 2020, I think, and... She didn't know the past, like, three weeks I've been thinking about talking about this again. So she was picking it up in prayer, and she was praying it out, and she was talking to the other intercessors about praying it out. So that was divine that that was happening because they were picking it up, and I, had, I didn't say anything to anybody about this message. But this was at least part of this, not the whole thing, was something I shared to some of the leaders at church in January of 2020. And uh, I talked about God giving us an opportunity. So we're going to go there today. I'm talking about don't miss your opportunity. And those related to everything we've been talking about for week after week after week. If you've been here, we've been talking about changing your world. We've been talking about sharing your faith. We've been talking about preaching the gospel in our words, preaching the gospel in our actions. We've been talking about loving people, being compassionate and merciful to people that need to know God. And uh, this goes right along with it. And so we're talking today about don't miss your opportunity. Now, the first thing I want to share is this, is, you know, God has called our church to do great things. Now, there's been many words spoken over our church for 36 years, many, many words, and many of them have come to pass, but there still is a whole, whole lot that hasn't come to pass. Now, for 36 years, we've been receiving different prophecies about things like this. And I wrote down a few of them, that this church would be a region-changing church. Not just a city-changing church, a region-changing church. That this church would have influence, that this church would have favor on it, that this church would even affect the government in this part of the state, that this church would have revival, that this church would be reaching thousands of people. This church, the one you're in right now, that has a few hundred people, that's been prophesied over our church by many, many people. Now, it's one thing if, if your pastor prophesies that about his own church, I would say, yeah, you can still believe me, but every pastor's going to feel that way about his church. But these prophecies have been spoken by people outside of this church that are seasoned people. Not like wannabe prophets and prophetess that you see on TBN or 1-800-GetYourProphecy.com. Okay? We're talking about real prophets and real people that hear from God. And it's been by multiple people like Dr. Dufresne and Pastor Nancy and, and Pastor Silva and Pastor Ramos and, and all sorts of people that are seasoned in the things of God. Now, I believe in prophecy, but as your pastor, I'm very skeptical a prophecy. I am. Because I've seen a lot of weirdos in the church world. And I've seen a lot of flakes. And to be honest, I've grown up in a spirit-filled church my whole life, but I'm very skeptical of people being prophets or prophesying because a lot of it makes no sense. Or they're just telling you stuff you already know. Shandai, Shandai, tie your bow tie. The Lord says he wants to heal you. Yeah, I got a verse that says that, okay? 
Or they're just telling you what you want to hear, like, you know, give me $1,000 and you'll get a new Bentley by next week. Okay, you're full of it, guy. But I believe in prophecy, but I'm skeptical of prophecy. And you should be. You should have some discernment. Just like prophets prophesying elections and... And prophesying this and that, I would be very skeptical of that. Unless you really know the person. That's what I'm saying. There's only a few people that would prophesy over me that I would listen to. And I'm saying you should feel the same way. You should be spiritually discerning enough to know, is this the word? Do I know this person? Do they have any fruit in their life whatsoever? And does my spirit even agree with this? And if it doesn't, throw that out. Now, I'm teaching you about something. This is not even in my message. But I'm saying as your pastor, I believe in prophecy, but I am very skeptical of most prophecies and prophets. Because I've seen a lot of weirdness. But the people that have given prophecies to this church are not weird people. They're people with fruit in their ministry, fruit in their lives, and some have been in the ministry 30, 40, 50 years. And that's why I feel like it could be trusted. So if these people have prophesied over our church that this church is going to be a region-changing church, sounds massive compared to where we are at today, that this church would have influence and favor and would affect the government, that we would have revival. That sounds big, but I believe the prophets and the prophecies that we have received at this church because it says, believe the prophets and you will prosper. Believe genuine ones, not fake ones, genuine real ones. If you listen to what they say, they're speaking for God. But you have to believe them and get in alignment with what they have said. You have to get in alignment with your will that, yeah, this is God's plan for my life, and I believe this is going to happen, and you need to pray that out. The Word talks about praying out the prophecies. You need to, to do something with the prophecies that have been spoken because prophecies are not automatic. That's why a lot of people have had somebody prophesy over them, and it didn't happen because they were waiting for it to happen and not actively responding to the prophecy spoken about their life. I've heard it said this way, people want a prophetic word, but don't want to do prophetic work. When you get a word, that means you're going to have to work. When you get a word, that means you're responsible for what you just heard. When you get a word, that means you're going to have to pray it out and get in agreement with God, what God has said. It's not automatic. And so many people are like, well, I don't even believe prophets anymore because somebody said this over my life. But did you do anything with it? You just thought it was going to happen. No, you had to actually pray that out. You actually had to agree with God and respond to it. You didn't just need to listen to a prophetic word. You needed to put in some prophetic work for it to happen. Come on, is anybody getting anything so far this morning? And prophecies must be responded to not just by me, but by us. Those prophecies are about us, not me. Those prophecies are spoken about us, not a family. Those prophecies are spoken about all of us together, what God wants to do with our church. But we have a part to play in it. But the Bible uses terms like this. It's an opportunity or it's an open door. But how many know with every opportunity or open door that God gives you, there is a time frame or a season you must do it in? All of us are only on this planet so long. So that means we have a limited time to fulfill what God has spoken. And if we don't do it, God will have someone else do it. And I feel this strongly in my heart. And if I felt it in 2020, then I definitely feel it in 2021. That some of these words that have been spoken over our church, our window of opportunity... Our open door of opportunity is closing if we don't do something about it as a church. This is what will happen. God will move on to another group of people and another church that will do what he wants them to do. 
The thing about the move of God is this. We can't stop what God is doing, but we can miss what God is doing. God will not be stopped in what he's doing. He will just find somebody else. If you think you are high and mighty about the call of God on your personal life, guess what? He's got eight other people waiting in line to take your place if you don't want to do it. If I don't want to preach, guess what? God will find somebody else to fill the spot, and he will give them a grace and anointing greater than me because I didn't want to do it. So, yes, you are important to the plan of God, but you aren't God. And if you don't want to do it, God will find someone else to do it. Now, that should sober you up in a good way that you can't stop what God is doing in the earth, but you can miss what God is doing. You can't stop what God is doing on the earth, but you can miss it for you and for your family if we miss our opportunities. I feel like you're really listening to me today, and I appreciate that. You know, in churches like ours, there's, there's lingo that goes along with the move of God. The move of God. And since I've grown up in it, I'm able to talk about it. Because I see it from a different perspective than somebody coming from the outside. It's kind of like, like other people can't talk about your family, but you can talk about your family. You know what I'm saying? It just doesn't feel right. It's like you'll bash your family, but if your friend jumps in the conversation, what you talking about my family for? But you just said it. Yeah, because it's my family and I could talk about it. It's kind of like that with, with me and, and, and our camp of churches and word of faith people and spirit-filled people. I can talk about us because I is us. So when I'm talking about us, I'm talking about myself too. And there's, there's extremes that people in our camp go to and get into a ditch as well. But this is something I've noticed in, in 34 years of my life. We talk about the move of God, the move of God, the move of God. A lot of churches like ours talk like that. And, and what I've seen is this. Maybe I'm going to be too honest today, but it's okay. Um, I think you appreciate honesty rather than me being fake up here. Um, we talk about the move of God, and I've seen a lot of churches like ours actually get smaller, get less effective. More people leave their church. Their church decline in finances, their church decline in people, their church decline in influence, and they're still talking about the move of God. They're waving the banner of the move of God. We are the remnant. We're the only people left that serve God. Aren't we arrogant? There is billions of people on the planet. There's revivals in countries that you never heard of today. You are not the only people on the planet that are serving God. And there's people that believe God more than us, that are seeing more miracles than us, more healings than us, more deliverance than us, that have more faith than us, lest we think that we are just the only people that are serving God. We are the remnant of the Lord Jesus. We're just holding out. All the rest of these churches are fake churches other than us. No. God's doing stuff all over the place. But, but this is what I see. Okay, so why is it happening? If these people are they're praying that it's going to happen, and they're talking like it's going to happen, and they're like, the move of God's coming. Because their posture as a church is this. I'm sitting down just waiting for the move of God to hit me. And so, so they're just sitting down, just waiting, you know, move of God's coming, move of God's coming, move of God's coming, move of God's coming, move of God's coming. The move of God is coming. And then it doesn't come, and then it doesn't come, and then it doesn't come, and their church gets smaller, and they get less effective, and it doesn't come. Because my Bible says that when we draw close to God, he draws close to us. When we move close to God, he moves close to us. We aren't, listen to what I'm saying this morning. We are not waiting on a move of God. You know what the truth is? God is waiting on a move of man. That is the answer why churches 
that talk about it all the time and don't see it, nothing happens. Why? Because God, you could talk about it all day, all night, till you go to heaven, that God's going to move. God's going to move. God's going to move. God's not moving till you move first. He's not. And really, in one sense, he already moved. He's just waiting for you to respond to what he's doing. And then when you respond, he responds. When you respond, he responds. We aren't waiting on a move of God at church. God's waiting on a move of man. And and I'm just trying to be really honest with you, church family. If we keep having that mentality that one day, revival and the move of God and the plan of God is just going to hit you and hit our church up the side of the head without any of our effort and work, It will never happen. Because God is waiting on us to move. He's waiting on us to move. He's already moved. And he's already spoken. And he's just waiting on somebody, once again, to get in agreement with him. To respond to him. To pray some prayers. But also to do some work. By inviting people to Jesus, hello somebody, by preaching the gospel, by showing some compassion and mercy, by inviting people to church, by living out the gospel of Jesus Christ instead of staying in our churches expecting somebody to show up. No, God is waiting on us to move. That's why so many people in their personal life, they're like, well, God's God's not doing anything. God's not doing anything. God's not doing anything because he's waiting on you to do something. And it's a promise in his word. When you do something, he will do something. But how many know that's what we want to do because we're waiting on our feelings to catch up to that? But that's not faith. Faith says, I'm going to move. And when I do, I believe God's going to show up and meet me there. So many people are stuck in the same cycle and the same old, same old because they're waiting on God to just magically hit them upside the head. I'm going to save you a lot of disappointment this morning. It will never happen. And if it happened, it's a Holy Ghost accident. And be thankful for it. But God is waiting on you. And if we don't move, God will find someone else to move. So we must take ownership and responsibility of our own spiritual life and the life of this church. God, I want the move of God. I want the move of God. I want the move of God. Okay, move. Move. And when you move, he moves. The reason I'm talking to all of you guys about this is because it's not enough that I just move. It won't work. Because I'm moving. Whether you want to or not. But revival happens, prophecies are fulfilled, the region changing church that we're called to be happens when all of us move, not just me. Because those prophecies are to all of us. Leonard Ravenhill, who was a man of prayer in revival, he said this, the opportunity of a lifetime must be seized in the lifetime of the opportunity. What does that mean? Once again, God has given you this opportunity in life to do something, but you have to respond to it or you'll miss it. I was thinking about this even before this past week, but time is the most valuable thing you have. It's not money. It's not your career. It's time. There's another quote I read about opportunity. They said, nothing in life is more expensive than a missed opportunity. Because all of us are doing one or the other with our time every day. We're either wasting it or investing it. But it's the most valuable thing we have. You can get money back. You can get careers back. You can get all sorts of stuff back in life and replace it, but you don't get time back. You only get one shot at this. You don't get to go back. You don't get to start again. 
You don't get to collect $200, none of the above. You only get one shot at this life. That's why it's the most valuable thing that we have. Now, I am not that old. I feel older than I am at times. But if I know if I feel like in 34 years I've wasted a lot of time, I know some of the rest of you guys feel that way. I'm thinking 34 years has gone by just like that. And I look back at my life and I'm thinking of all the wasted times and wasted days and wasted weeks that I'll never get back again. But what should that do to you when you think about that? You can't do anything about the past. You can only make a decision about the future. What you're going to do with the rest of your time and the rest of your life and make adjustments and make priorities different and decide I'm not going to waste my time because it's the most valuable thing I have. I'm going to invest it in what God is doing. So let's read this verse in Ephesians 5 and verse 15 again. You guys get something today. Ephesians 5.15, notice, but the context of this he's talking about is our time. So notice what he says, so be careful how you live. I would say most people are not. And then he goes on and says, don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. You know, it's foolish when we waste our time. It's foolish because we never get that time back. But it says you need to be like those who are wise. Then he's going to tell you who wise people are. Verse 16. Notice what wise people do. They make the most of every opportunity. They make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Next verse. And don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. So the wise people... And I know that's what you all want to be. Nobody says, I just would like to be a fool and waste my life away. Nobody starts off with that plan for their life. But wise people say, I'm going to invest it in what matters, and I'm going to make the most of every opportunity that God gives me. Every opportunity that God gives me personally and for my family and for my church and for my future, because if I miss the opportunity, I'm not going to get it back. That's why we call this message, Don't Waste Your Opportunity. And I feel strongly about this church and the prophecies spoken about this place that we are in a season, in a window of time. I'm not saying it runs out by next week, but I am saying we're in a season and a time that if we don't walk through these open doors and if we don't step into these opportunities that God will find a different group of people and he will find a different church and he will find somebody who will move with him. He will find somebody who will believe him. He will find somebody that will work with him and fulfill the plan of God. Well, then what's going to happen to this church? It'll shrivel up and die like most churches do. Churches all over the community today no offense if you have gray hair. I'm starting to get some gray hair in my beard, so I relate to you in one sense. That's what pastoring at a young age does to you. But a lot of churches today, all the people in their congregation are gray heads. And there's only a few of them left. There's no passion left in that church anymore. There's no money left in that church anymore. There's no influence left in that church anymore. There's no passion and move of God in that church anymore. There's no prayers in that church anymore. There's no worship in that church anymore. That's what most churches do. And they sell the building. But not this house. But we have an opportunity. Notice what Leonard Ravenhill said again, the opportunity of a lifetime must be seized. That means taken, responded to in the lifetime of the opportunity. I'm going to look at this verse 16 of this passage again in the Amplified. Notice what it says in the Amplified. 
making the very most of your time on earth, recognizing and taking advantage of each opportunity, using it with wisdom and diligence because the days are filled with evil. Let's look at the Amplified Classic if you have it. It says, making the very most of the time, buying up each opportunity because the days are evil. What do we say? Time, you can either waste it or you can invest it. And it says you need to buy up every opportunity that God gives you or God gives your church, which if this is your church, you should feel like that is you because it is. Those words were spoken to you, not me. There's nowhere in those prophecies that it says, Pastor Jordan. It doesn't say that. There's nowhere in it says the staff at Church on the Rock or Dr. Jacobs or anybody else. There's no names given in it. It says this church. And that's all of you. And that's me. But as a leader, I got to be honest with you and say, we need to not miss our opportunity here. And I'm going to share some things the rest of this time with you about not missing an opportunity you still here with me today? Let's look at 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 9. You hear my heart today. Look at what it says in 1 Corinthians 16, 9, the new living. There is a wide open door for a great work here, although many oppose me. Let's look at what the passion says about this verse. Look at this. There's an amazing door of opportunity standing wide open for me to minister here, even though there are many who oppose and stand against me. So we see here with every opportunity comes opposition. If God wants you to do something significant for him, there will be opposition every time. That's why you need to know this before you get yourself into it. If you ain't ready for that to happen, then I wouldn't step out and do what God's calling you to do. Because with every great opportunity, there's opposition. The enemy does not know everything about our church or even your personal life, but he does know the prophecy spoken about it. He does know the anointing. He does know the opportunities given to all of us. But with that opportunity will also come opposition. He said, there's an open door, but there's many that oppose me. There's a great opportunity, but there's many enemies. The greater the door, the greater the enemies. The bigger the opportunity, the greater the opposition. The enemy doesn't give up ground freely. It comes with a fight. So you got to be up for the fight. The greater the door, the greater the enemy. The greater the opportunity, the greater the opposition. Because some of you are asking yourself this today, and you have before. Man, why does all these things keep happening at Church on the Rock? Man, we're a faith church. We believe God. We're not like everybody else. Why do these things happen to us? Or why do these things keep happening to us? Well, it's not an accident. It's an attack. Oh, we don't know why it happened. It's just an accident. You guys got bad luck around there. No, it's a strategic attack. Because the enemy sees the opportunity. The enemy sees the open door. And he's scared about that. So he sends enemies and opposition to do everything he can to discourage us from the plan that God has for us. And he will keep throwing it on as long as he can to stop the plan of God that's supposed to happen. And if God has spoken words like region-changing church, the enemy has not taken a break on Church on the Rock. 
She said, why did this happen? Big doors, big enemies. Big opportunity, big opposition. Doesn't make it fun. Doesn't always make it easy. But it's got to be worth it when we see God's plan fully come to pass. But the enemy doesn't give up ground for free. So realize that, church family. The Apostle Paul had it. If you read about the Apostle Paul's life, who literally changed the world, there's billions of people reading the Apostle Paul this morning. How many people from 2,000 years ago that billions of people are reading this morning? None. The reading, what he said, this Apostle Paul changed the known world. This Apostle Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. This Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians, there's a big door of opportunity, but there's many adversaries. There's, there's a big plan that God has for me, but there's a lot of opposition. And if you read about the Apostle Paul's life, it wasn't a cakewalk. Why? It was like, why, why did this happen to Paul? Paul said, I was shipwrecked and I was beaten by my friends and I was beaten by my enemies. And I got bit by a snake and I went in prison here and then they beat me here and then I did this. And everywhere I went, there was a riot or revival, a lot of times both. <laughs> but why did that keep happening to Paul? Paul could feel like I'm getting picked on because he was. Why is Church on the Rock getting picked on? Because we are. It's not an accident. It's called an attack. Am I helping you today? Okay. So, mom would fully agree with everything I'm saying this morning anyways. She would want me to talk like this. She's in heaven right now trying to interrupt my message, but you just can't hear you know that's the truth. Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's an angel saying, come on, let him, let him finish his message. It's strategic. It's not an accident. It's an attack. Now, the more you know that, the better prepared you should be. It's not an accident. Now, here's another side note. We're not going there, but in your personal life, now you need to decide this. Is this an attack or am I just making wrong decisions and getting myself into this situation? There's, that's another message. But for the most part, if you're doing what God's called you to do, and you love God and you believe God and, and you're living in a way that honors God and you're being attacked, it's not you. You do have an enemy coming to discourage you and to oppose you because he's concerned about you taking ground in his kingdom. So I have uh, three things I want to share with you before we go today. You guys still here? So how do we live in a way that we don't miss the opportunities that God has given us personally, but also for our church the first thing is I want to say you have to have an eternal perspective. you got to have an eternal perspective. Well, Pastor, are you saying that just because your mom went to heaven on Friday? No, I already had that in my notes. But it is fitting. And when everyone, you know, or someone you know passes away, which we all will, I'm not passing away, we're going to heaven, but... You think about eternity more. So it's fitting for today that we talk about this because if we're going to live in a way that we don't miss opportunities that God has given us, we have to have an eternal perspective. There's a quote, an old quote that, that I used to know when I was a kid, but it says, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. If we live every day making decisions like that, we will not miss opportunities. 
Hear me this morning. It's real easy. How do I have an eternal perspective? Ask your question, the question, with everything you're doing in your life, will this matter in eternity? And if it doesn't, stop doing it. And if it doesn't, change your priorities. And if it doesn't, change the way you're living your life. Because if you don't live with an eternal perspective, you will miss all these opportunities and open doors that God has for you because you're so focused on the now and what's happening here that you're going to miss what God is doing in your life. The Bible says it like this, to set your mind on things above and not beneath. That's having an eternal perspective. It's funny, you guys have heard this statement before, and it's, a, it's an old Christian statement, but it's not accurate. It's like, don't be so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. Actually, the Bible disagrees with that statement. The Bible says, if you aren't heavenly minded, you won't be any earthly good. Because the people that change the world are thinking about the next one. The people that change their world are the ones that have their thoughts set on what's above and not beneath. The people that change the world have an eternal perspective, not a temporary, natural perspective on their life. Because when you have an eternal perspective, you don't miss the opportunities that God has given you or your church. A lot of us in here are like, well, I'm too busy to do what God's called me to do. Then you're too busy. I got too much going on to really commit to church. Then you got too much going on. Stop. If you had an eternal perspective, this would be the highlight of your life. That God's plan would be the highlight of your existence. That your time, your treasure, and everything else would go to the kingdom of God and building his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. If you had an eternal perspective. But many of us have a natural, temporary perspective on life. That's why we have so much wasted time, wasted talents, wasted treasure, wasted opportunities because we're thinking about the here and the now. I'm just thinking about getting to next week to my job. I'm just thinking about the next football game. I'm just thinking about the next purse I need to buy. I'm just thinking about the next thing I have to do. But you're not ever thinking about the eternal So if we're going to not miss an opportunity, we have to have an eternal perspective. The next thing, if we're not going to miss an opportunity in our personal life and in our church, we're going to have to live with passion and urgency. Too many of us are too apathetic, too passionless. Now, once again, these were in my notes before mom passed away, but it's fitting. I wrote down here, life is short. Don't live it without passion. It's a wasted life. It's a wasted life. If we're going to not miss the opportunities that God has given us, we're going to have to live with some passion and urgency for what God wants to do in our life. Because it is short. In light of eternity, it's very short. Now, some of you would say this, and people have said this to me many times before. You know, you seem like you preach with a lot of passion and urgency. I do. There should be no other setting to preach on other than passion and urgency. But for you, there should be no other way to live other than passion and urgency. You don't get the day back. You don't get the month back. You don't get the year back. You only got today. So you need to live it with some passion and some urgency for what God is doing. Why do I preach with passion and urgency? Because I heard somebody say this a long time ago, and I tried to live this. You have to preach like a dying man to dying people. Because in reality, we all are dying people. And you don't know the last time you will see someone. 
You don't know the last time you will get to share the gospel with someone. You don't know the last time that God has given somebody another chance and they come to a church service so I can't get up here and talk with a monotone, apathetic voice with some message I got out of the Reader's Digest. I got to preach with some passion and some urgency because eternal things matter. Not like, let's just preach this because it's cute. Let's just preach this because it's trendy. Let's just preach. No, you got to preach something that will matter in eternity. Because no, every week is like, why are you so worked up, pastor? Why are you so urgent, pastor? Because it matters. It matters. It matters. You don't know the last time someone will have to hear the gospel. You don't know the last time that someone will give God an opportunity to even come to church. And that was the week you decided to slack off and preach with an apathetic attitude? You're saying, well, that's great. You preach that way. But no, you need to live that way. Not just me. You need to live that way. If we're not going to miss what God is doing, if we're going to not miss... These opportunities, we have to live with passion and urgency. The definition of urgency is an importance requiring swift action. The Bible says tomorrow's not promised. What does that mean? Do it today. If you're going to send the text, send it today. Don't wait till tomorrow. If you're going to call the person and make things right, do it today. Don't wait for tomorrow. If you're going to plan the meal with the neighbor to share the gospel with them, do it today. Don't wait for tomorrow. If you're going to share the gospel with your coworker, do it today. Don't wait for tomorrow. It's someone's last day. And if we're going to live in a way that we don't miss the opportunities that God has given us, we're going to have to have an eternal perspective. We're going to have to live with some passion and urgency. I don't know about you, but I don't even want to be around people that aren't passionate about their life. Because you're wasting my time. If my time is limited and I can waste it or invest it, you not having passion and being in my life is wasting my time. I want to be around some people that are passionate and living with some urgency about what God wants to do in their life. Are you getting anything this morning? The last thing I want to share is this. And Brother Darrell, could you come and play for me for a second? If we're going to live in a way that we don't miss the opportunities that God has given us, we're going to have to have an eternal perspective We're going to have to live with some passion and urgency for what God wants to do in our life. Before I go to the third thing, I just want to say a few more things about passion and urgency. you got to realize that a lot of us are, once again, we're living in a way, waiting on God to do something. Waiting on God to move in your life, waiting on God to move in this church, waiting on God to do this and that but you're not living in a way with passion and urgency to see God move. You're not living in a way that's saying, God wants to do something today. Not next week, not next month, not next year, today. But we have to live in a way that we have passion and urgency to see it done today. The last thing I want to share is If we're going to live in a way that we don't miss the opportunity, we're going to have to decide I'm going to be right in the middle of what God is doing no matter what the cost. We're going to have to decide I'm going to be right in the middle of what God is doing no matter the cost. Dr. Lester Summerall said this. He said, if you decide to be in the middle of what God is doing, it will separate you from some people, 
but it will also bring you to some new people. There is a cost to it, but the cost is worth it. You realize you have to decide right now that I'm going to be right in the middle of what God is doing. Here's a newsflash. Just because you come to the church doesn't mean you're in the middle of what God is doing. Just because you're here this morning does not mean any of that. Lest you think that. No, that's a decision that you have to make in your heart and in your actions that you're not going to miss what God is doing. By having an eternal perspective, by living with passion and urgency, but deciding I'm going to be right in the middle of what God is doing no matter the cost. No matter the cost. But it will separate you from some people. Maybe it will separate you from some hobbies. Maybe it will separate you from some ways you used to think. Maybe it will separate you from a job. Maybe it will separate you from a lot of lesser things that don't matter. But you have to decide, I'm going to be right in the middle of what God is doing, no matter what, no matter what the cost. That's what I loved about Dr. Summerall. He started in ministry when he was a teenager and lived all the way into his 80s and was still right in the middle of what God was doing. Because he made that choice. I'm going to be right where God is moving. And if God's not moving with these people, I'm going to find a new group of people. If God's not over here, I'm going to move to somewhere different. I'm going to be right where God is moving. So important. But it's a choice that you have to make. Let's look at Ephesians 5, 16. Notice, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Hey, I don't have to tell you this. You know this. If you watch the the news or the movies or anything else, you know that we're living in evil days. So he's saying you should do this at all times, but especially in times like this. Make the most of every opportunity. Make the most of every open door that God has for you. In Corinthians, we read this, that there is a wide open door of opportunity, but there's many adversaries. You know, I was thinking about this, and I feel like I got a picture of this earlier this week, thinking about don't miss your opportunity for us as a church. And I saw kind of a, a, a picture or a video of this, and there was this huge door, and it was open, but how many know just because the door is open, you still have to walk through it? The Apostle Paul was saying, there's a, there's a big door, and I see it. It's open for me of what God wants me to do, but I have to walk through it. You have to walk through it. And you do that by having an eternal perspective. You do that with living with passion and urgency. You do that with deciding today, I'm going to be right in the middle of what God has called me to do in my personal life, in my family, in this church, because there's great days ahead. There's great opportunities before us. There's a great open door, but all of us have our own will in here. You could sit outside the door and judge the people walking through. You could sit outside the door and say, why isn't God moving in my life? I've seen so many people do that. And God's saying, because you got to move. You got to move. The door's open, but you got to walk through it. You have to walk through it. And you do that by your own choice. Nobody's going to force you to do it. But I'm telling you, church family, if our church 
It's going to be the church that God has called it to be, which is a region-changing church. Every last one of us are going to need to walk through this door together. I can't walk through it by myself. It still won't happen. Because we need all of us together doing this. We need people praying. We need people working. We need people sharing their faith. We need people being ushers. We need people taking up offerings. We need people in the kids on the rock. We need people in the quarry. We need worship leaders. We need people mowing the grass. We need people uh, doing the sound. We need people doing the projector. We need people doing the mission and the plan of God. We need people praying. We need people being urgent in their prayer life, being urgent in the way they lived, being passionate in their walk with God. We need people that are willing to walk through the door. And stop wasting your life. Sometimes people take that offensively because I've said that before to people. It's true. It's not comfortable, but stop wasting your life. Stop wasting your days and your months and your years and your decades saying, well, God's going to do something one day. God's going to move one day and something's going to happen in my family one day and I'm going to get healed one day and a miracle is going to happen one day and and God's going to change something in my finances one day and and church is going to be the region change and church is supposed to be one day. No, not one day, today. I'm preaching better than you're responding this morning. Not one day, today. You got to move. Not me, you. I'm moving. But I can't force you through the door. You're going to have to walk through yourself. I can't make you do it. You're going to have to do it yourself. What's the alternative? I've been pulling this a lot lately with you guys. Just get you thinking. So we got on this side, if I don't do it, What's your life going to be? Regret? Wasted time? Wasted relationships? No fulfillment? No satisfaction? No peace? No joy? You're out of God's will. But you got a great job. And you got an awesome car. You got an awesome house. Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? Well, I know all the sports teams. Who cares? I got a closet full of clothes. Who cares? I love you, but who cares? But here's the other side. If you live in a way that you're not going to miss an opportunity that God gives you. You're going to live with an eternal perspective. You're going to live with some passion and urgency for what God wants to do in your life, your family, and this church. You're going to decide, I'm going to be right in the middle of God's will. Right in the middle of what God's doing. I don't care if my friends don't like it. I don't care if my family doesn't like it. I don't care if anyone has a problem with it. I'm going to do God's will. And I'm not going to miss it for anybody else. I'm not going to miss it for anybody else. What's on this side? It's a life full of fulfillment, a life full of satisfaction, a life full of peace and joy, a life full of knowing that you did not waste it you invested it into eternity and not only does your life matter now it will matter in the future because of what you did that's what matters that's what matters not all that this is what matters and I believe in prosperity I believe in God giving you stuff Because he wants to bless you. He does. He's a good dad. But that's not the main thing. That's a byproduct. And really, when you live like this, you don't care whether God gave it to you or not. What matters is being right in the middle of God's plan for your life. 
What matters is what happens in eternity. What matters is knowing I was part of Church on the Rock. I was part of building that church that became that region-changing church. That was me. When you get to heaven, you could be telling angels that. That was me. Do you remember me? I was on the worship team at Church on the Rock. I was an intercessor at Church on the Rock. I was an usher at Church on the Rock. Man, I gave some tithes and offerings to Church on the Rock. Man, I gave into Heart for House at Church on the Rock. Man, I helped the kids at Church on the Rock. And God, you remember me because I was a part of that region changing church that not only changed New Albany, but changed Jeffersonville and changed the Knobs and changed Cordon and changed Louisville and changed the entire region, changed Southern Indiana and Floyd County and Clark County and Harrison County and Jefferson County. And I was a part of that, God. You know, when God's handing out stuff, He's not going to say, where's Pastor Jordan? He's going to say, where's Church on the Rock? Because you guys all get the same reward. Because you did this together. Because you did this together. But it won't happen if we don't live in a way that we will live in a way that we don't miss these opportunities that God has given us. Did you guys get anything this morning? But you have to decide that. I'm going to be right in the middle of what God is doing. I wrote down a few things. And these are all scriptures, scriptures actually. The Bible says now is the time. Today is the day of salvation. And in Esther, now this is one of the most quoted verses in such a, such a youth group scripture. Every youth camp, you are called to the kingdom for such a time as this. But you know what? It's true. Because you know that scripture is true for every generation. That's why it still works. Because for every generation, the reason you're still alive right now, the reason you're still on the planet right now, is because you're called for a reason and for a purpose. You're not here by accident. And so that verse in Esther where it says, you were called to the kingdom for such a time as this, it's true for every generation. Not just youth. Not just a generation that lived years ago, but every generation, that's the reason you're here. God called you here on this earth for such a time as this to do something and to do something great. That's why you're here. You're not called here to just waste your days and your weeks and your months in your years and look back and say what did I do with it but you were called for such a time as this but now is the time today is the day of salvation I just want to ask you a few things as we close here I want to say this if you feel strongly about this message today and you say, I'm willing and I want to decide today I'm walking through the door you talked about, Pastor. I'm not going to waste the call of God on this church anymore. I'm not going to waste the call of God on my life anymore. I'm not going to waste my time anymore. I'm going to live with an eternal perspective and with some urgency and passion and stop wasting my time. Stop wasting these prophecies spoken about our church saying, God will do it one day. God's going to move one day. No, he's not. Not without us. He's waiting on us. Everything else is ready. He's waiting on us. More specifically, he's waiting on you. Not your neighbor, you. 
Not your husband or wife. You. Not your kids. You. He's waiting on you to step through that door and say, God, I want to be right in the middle of your will, right in the middle of your plan, right in the middle of what you called me to. If you feel that strongly today, could you just stand on your feet? Thank you, Father. Thank you so much for listening today. For more information about what's happening at Church on the Rock, visit cotrin.org.